Good evening, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to UFO Paranormal Radio Network, otherwise known as United Public Radio Network, or we just like to call it UPRN, and you're listening live to the Angel Rock, and I'm your host, Laura Lee Potvin. I am a host of this show, and I'm also a host of a second show. We're coming up to our one-year anniversary, actually, right after New Year's, which is called The Thing at the Foot of the Bed with my amazing friend, who Angel Channel Medium, he's got a big channel on TikTok, it's David Hansel, and and uh, so I hope you'll join us for that. That's 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A little bit about myself, if you've never been here before. I am a Canadian spiritual psychic medium. I'm a Crystal Reiki energy healer, Akashic Records practitioner, spiritual teacher and mentor, budding animal communicator. I'll tell you a little bit about that. And I'm also an RN. And uh, we're glad you're joining us. We have our regulars usually that pop in. And if you want to be part of the chat, we would love to have you. So we, as I understand it, 80% of our listening audience around the world is listeners. So if you want to join in some of the conversation, please head over to UFO Paranormal Radio and United Public Radio Network on Facebook. It's all together. It's a big, long title. And YouTube. I am also streaming on my YouTube channel. We're streaming on LinkedIn tonight because Facebook doesn't like me for some reason. They love to go after me for music. So once I get a wonderful guest talking, I'm going to sneak in and stream it over from our main page on Facebook so you can still watch it. We're streaming on Canada's Most Haunted. Uh, where are, I'm trying to think where else. You, I think we're under on UFO Undercover. We're all over the place. You can find us, even my own YouTube channel under the Angel Rock with Laura Lee Podvin. So join in. We'd love to have you be part of the conversation. Now, if you like what you see, please like, share, and subscribe. This network's been around for over 25 years. We stream multiple shows daily, seven days a week. And while we're not streaming live, the archive server randomly picks shows over the last 25 years. And we've had some really great hosts, and we still do have great hosts. We've got some new shows. So you're, there's something for everyone. So make sure you tell everybody that you love and care about, because they're going to have a lot of fun over here. Also, what else do I want to? Oh, I don't want to forget this. So you guys, we've been talking about this on here. You guys know I love one of our hosts. Well, I love all our hosts, but Carrie Lynn Shellhorn on Fridays, Spirit Switchboard. She's got the 12 days of giving. Today is the day you need to go to her psychic medium, Carrie Lynn Shellhorn on Facebook. You have to put your name in there if you want to be in part of this giveaway, and I'll bet you do. Because myself and David Hansel, my co-host on Thursday nights, are joining Carrie Lynn on Friday, I'm trying to remember, December 22nd. And a lucky winner is going to get chosen to join us for two hours on that show. And it's going to be lots of fun. So you want to join in on that. Don't enter on my page, please, because I've got it shared in a few places. Because Carrie Lynn's taking all the names that enter off of her business page. Again, it's Psychic Medium, Carrie Lynn Shellhorn. And uh, yeah, you could be one of the lucky winners. Now, the only Thing is you have to be available because it is a live show but we're going to have lots of fun so i've got another great guest for you guys and i'm dressed for how or for christmas you, i almost said halloween you know how much i love halloween but i'm ready for christmas here i'm even doing hang on 
I had to grab a quick drink of uh, my energy drink. <laughs> Hello, Julie Jean Bassett, were your ears ringing? Because I was just talking about that I'm a, a sm slightly budding animal communicator. I'm gonna highlight Julie, because she was the one that ran that fantastic beginner animal communication course this week, and you guys, take a look out for her. She's been a guest and she's a friend of this show on the Angel Rock. She has helped me very much personally. She has mm -hmm. also just got her shamanic practitioner. Um, she finished it with a long course. You guys, you need to look her up. She is incredible. It will be life changing for you. I guarantee you. So great you're here. We got Love Is here. And she says, yes, you are an animal communicator. You did amazing. Oh, you're so awesome. She's the most lovely lady, honestly. No, I'm keeping my poor guest waiting here. <laughs> so he's, okay. you guys are going to love him. So his name is Mike Fiorito. He's an independent freelance journalist. I, I hope I got this right because I went through your page and a different thing. So it says associate editor for Matt's World Magazine and an author of multiple books. Tonight, we're chatting about Mike's latest release, Mescalito Riding His White Horse, a book inspired by bluegrass musician Peter Rowan his mus and his musical and spiritual journeys, including chatting, I believe, a little bit about Buddhism, a little bit about spirituality. Mike told me before we start, he's going to read some passages. We're going to talk about the really beautiful cover on the book and about some of his upcoming books, because I know he's got one that fits right in with the genre of this network that that is supposedly releasing, I think, in 2024, right, Mike? Uh, April 24, correct. I thought so. So yeah. uh, welcome, Mike. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, we've, uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, so it's it's happening. Here it is. Do you know why it took so long? Well, besides the I, reasons. I yeah. You know why, though? What happened was um, we have a cottage out and it's about 20 minutes away from the city. I live in a city called Thunder Bay. It's right smack dab in the middle of Canada. People always ask me where it is. It's on the shores of Lake Superior. It's about 35, 40 minutes away from the Minnesota border and I'm about mm -hmm. six and a half hours north of Minneapolis, Minnesota. People come back and forth through here. Anyways, our cottage does not have internet and the summers are shorter here. So if we could go out and stay out for a long weekend, I didn't I didn't want to book a guest and then have to get a hold of them and say, hey, I'm staying out at camp. <laughs> so now that I'm booking, I'm almost booked straight through to April. Like, Amazing. And it'll yeah. be beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> and I like doing shows on my own. I enjoy them. So wow. um, we had a nice little bit like that. And we had a few guests sprinkled in that I, because the waiting list is long because Gavin, your wonderful publisher and uh good friend he's amazing gavin davies he keeps me busy he always sends me the best authors <laughs> so thank you for being so patient absolutely yeah so uh, gavin's a, a wonderful guy too i really uh he's he, oh my he's, i've had him as can't a help but love him i've had him help but love him oh yeah huh. oh sorry i i have a bit of a delay i forgot to tell you that so you guys know that if you've been here but i forgot to tell mike so i would never purposely speak over you so if i do i apologize um Gavin is amazing and he stayed up with the time difference because my show used to be a lot later on Mondays. Like I think it started at 11 p.m. And so I think it was like three in the, the morning. morning. Yeah. On. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we had fun. So I wanted to talk to you about this. I, I did a little research on you. I found out you play music. So mm -hmm. have you been playing and you sing, you sing beautifully. So Thank you. 
tell me about this. Like, how'd you get into music and writing? Sure. And Sure. Uh, I think like you, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I've always been creative. I've, I've always been interested in, um, in writing and, uh, I've been writing maybe, maybe badly <laughs> at first. Um, I don't think so. Well, as a, as a kid <laughs> though, you know, there are things, there are things, uh, that, uh, are helpful, you know, going, I would say going to graduate school was important at the right. same time for writing, uh, actually for English literature. But at the same time, you have to let go of it. So when you're a kid, you have this uh, incredible uh, fecundity. You're so there's so your imagination is so rich, and you're and free. You do it, and you're free. Um, I would say that a little bit of shaping helped. So that's what I meant by that. Um, we used to play. We started playing uh, at, like a lot of kids. You know, I'm 57 years old. Um, at the time, the age, almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, listening to rock music and, um, that's really, that drew me in and the, I can iconography and the imagery of rock music mm -hmm. and, uh, my friend, my best friend, Lan, he's still my best friend. We're still in touch uh, all the time. He lives in Florida now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we started the first thing we did, if you could believe I did an Elvis Presley, uh, impersonation. I so think I knew Elvis from the womb. <laughs> My mother just is still the biggest Elvis fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and he was, I used to have a big uh, glass uh, image of Elvis in my house. Wow. In my yeah, yeah, that's how big it was. But when um, we we practiced, I hadn't yet played an instrument. So Lan played the drums and I just kind of, you know, did look. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. I'm impressed. And I, it was so cool. Thank you. And I remember it was funny because I had to be, I don't know, 12 or 11. My mom, actually, she uh, worked in the jewelry business. Mm -hmm. So she got me a bunch of like, like chains, kind of Elvis oh, wow. chains and stuff. And they got me a shirt that kind of buttoned down. Mm -hmm. So here's the funny thing, Laura Lee. When I turned around here i am in the school stadium whatever you know mm -hmm. stage land goes da -da. i turn around the microphone isn't on right so there's this oh, like no. sudden silence oh. i'm sure my parents you know wanted they needed life support at that moment mm -hmm. and then all i did is i turned around i clicked it on i looked at land he went again da -da. one fall money two fall the shoe and that kind of launched, but we practiced that. We would come home and he would play literally on a on his he didn't have drums. He played oh, on he a didn't have drums, okay. Not at the time. He played on a he got I think he got drums for the performance. He played on a banana seat, a bicycle. Oh, okay. Seat. You funny? have to be our age to know what that is, probably. It, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you seen one? I haven't seen it. <laughs> no. I had one as a kid. They looked yeah. long, long bicycle seats. Yeah. They had yeah. that metal piece at the back sometimes. It, exactly. Exactly. And it was so. It was really fun. But we practiced that one song over and over, over and over again. And um, then I said, you know, I probably should learn how to play guitar. So I started mm -hmm. playing, learning how to play. I really just picked up guitar and started playing. Mm -hmm. And um, then I started, I started to take lessons because they're, 
there are some fundamental things that are helpful uh, to know. And we formed a band. You know, our band was called Gemini because we're both Geminis. And, um, you know, we were real improvisers. And mm-hmm. you know, we just would get up there and uh, jam Led Zeppelin songs, Jimi Hendrix. So that kind of launched my interest, I think, in music. I think I've always mm-hmm. had an ear uh, for music to play and and just and to listen as well so not just no not just the playing part i'm a uh, some people are deep listeners and that's you know no judgment on how anybody takes in music but i can you know i can just sit and listen just to music my wife and i will often sit on a friday night or really any night mm-hmm. and we'll just listen to music and and just we do that at my house yeah just listening my so, partner's know. a Gemini, and I, when I was talking to you, I won't say too much, but I'll tell you what we were talking about certain people with paranormal and music backgrounds. I thought, oh, my gosh, I live with one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of that. And he did almost what you're explaining. He had two brothers, and they one played the drums, and my partner plays uh, piano and guitar, almost the same age. And wow. his brother plays many instruments, and they started a band. Like, sort of sounds similar at the same age. Not quite the same, but similar. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear the music. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... Yeah, I think there's something, there is a connection between uh, creativity and I think the receptivity to the paranormal. It doesn't always work that way because sometimes people have zero interest and they suddenly find themselves with incredible uh, ability, uh, you know, for telepathic. You know what I do? I was going to throw in here. One of the things, because I do mentor and teach people as well, is I use, I have a video on my YouTube channel because I have some teaching videos under the video link um, tab. And one of them is, I think it's why the power of, I forget the name, it's something about the power of the lyrics and the music, why it's so important. And I get into that. But mainly what I do with people when I'm teaching them to, if you will, quiet their mind and start to listen to this inner guidance that we all have an intuition is to listen to music and pick out one instrument and listen to all different kinds Mm. and just focus on that one instrument and then pick another one because Mm. it teaches you to tune out the other noise that goes even on in our brain and how to really listen It's very true. We we do a lot of that, and um and I like different kinds of music. You know, mm-hmm. classical, Bach. Yeah. I love uh I love palestrina. You know, masses. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's like being in an ocean of voices, and you're kind of engulfed and swept mm-hmm. away. And uh, so, it's music has always been the foundation. You know, I found myself writing about music and becoming a music journalist, not just mm-hmm. music, but I do a lot of music journalism. Um, cool. I, I was writing for newspapers and uh, journals and magazines. I mean, I've done food reviews, <laughs> which I didn't really? think I, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because it's an interesting thing. And I think all of these creative endeavors, they're, they kind of, they can catalyze journeys. Uh, they become, they themselves become the passport. You know, I think my writing is is a passport to, I'm here, um, meeting people, you're going mm-hmm. backstage, you know, uh, meeting different kinds of people. Um, 
And uh, what uh, I was asked to do a, uh, a go to a restaurant and you know just go do a review for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I really don't know much about food. And, and the guy said, just go and talk about the neighborhood. Just tell a story. Mm -hmm. Okay, that I can do. You know what's funny, uh, Laura? I wound up writing I probably about 12 pieces on food. Mm -hmm. And they became a part of a book that got published. So, uh, you know, that I, book? pardon? Oh, it's oh, it called uh, Sleeping with Fishes. So oh, that wow. Was, what a cool name. Yeah, it kind of, it's a bit of tongue in cheek. So it comes mm -hmm. from, uh, it comes from the Godfather. Absolutely. And so it's a bit of an exploration of, uh, of my, you know, Italian American heritage and playing with stereotype. And, but I go into, you know, Neapolitan music, which is very key to, you know, my interests. I've done a lot of research and listening in that, but also talking about food, you know, talking about things that are very specifically kind of Italian American um, mm -hmm. that my mom would make, for example, right. uh, certain kinds of foods and things. But my point is that just from, you know, the invitation and some of us are, you say, oh gosh, I don't, I, I can't do that. I'm not sure. But you go and you do it. And then you find yourself aloft on a journey. And so, you know, again, I would never consider myself like a food expert, but to anyone out there, you know, if the door opens, just go through it and then figure it out <laughs> afterwards. Um, but it kind of, if you think about it though, right? And it doesn't matter. And I always say, because people wouldn't consider it even healing, but it is, whether it's food and many cultures, especially I was a community visiting nurse before I hurt my back. And I actually was teach. I set up a college course and I was teaching fellow nurses how to work within the community because you work on your own and culture is so important. And especially in numerous cultures, and I'm not Italian, a lot of people think I am, but I uh, grew up, all of our friends and family friends were Italian. So I was very immersed in the culture and I would consider mm -hmm. in the Italian culture, food is love, right? Mm -hmm. And it so. also is an art form it's very healing. Food can be, it's nourishing. I mean, it's fuel for our bodies, but also music, right? And mm -hmm. it's all to do with our senses. And people don't really put a lot of thought into that, right? Yeah, it, it definitely. And I think what was, what's very key about these, you know, most, Amer most uh, 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 Italians from that live in Canada and that live in the United States, they came from the South because they were fleeing. Oh, we have some uh, Northerns. I knew a lot of Northern people up here too, from North Italy. They, you, well. you get a little, you know, smattering, but the, you know, the, the large majority, because they were kind of fleeing, you know, poverty, essentially. Uh, they were fleeing um, oppression it, because mm -hmm. even in, even in Italy, the South was oppressed. And uh, so a lot of the food is very simple mm -hmm. and that's part of the, the charm and the, is, Whatever you have, you make something. And we would have, I remember growing up, my mom would make linguine with clam sauce from a can, you know, progresso, il progresso. And till today when I eat that, now you have to add some things to it mm -hmm. from a can. It is just mind-blowing. Um, so it's that the idea of the simple, the, the basic. You open the, the cabinet, whatever you have, 
you make it. And it becomes I think that's a uh, sign of a great cook, though, yeah. that regardless mm -hmm. of what you have and you make it taste homemade and it's unique and it's delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting story that it relates, I think, to to our topic and we will get to, you know, I, I have so many questions. I knew oh. I would. So, and I, I love talking, you know what I love about this? And I tell people like, don't get me wrong. We connected via email, but I'm, I don't meet most of my guests until five minutes before they come on. And I like it that way because it's like, I want to know your story. I want to know yeah. how did you get here? Why did you write this book? So, yeah. One thing I did want to ask you, and I don't mean to stop if you wanted to add Please. something to the food, is okay. so we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, paranormal, but I wanted to know, did you have any paranormal experiences? I know that's not quite what the book is about, but. I would say, I, I would say that I categorize, I do have, you know, and, I, and what I was going to mention here is, you know, is precognition. Um, that's a paranormal, uh, anything that's yeah. not oh, yeah. the norm. You know what I always Psychedelic. say? Psychedelic psychedelic experience experiences um we what i've been hearing the term uh the phenomena and i use that in one of our email exchanges so you know by location a psychedelic experience dreams so i i have those experiences richly in my life and and they become they're really a source my dreams are a source of my writing and um they, uh, I, I do keep a dream journal, but I do a lot. I, have I a lot love of, that. Most I have a lot don't. of UFO dreams, a lot of, and I consider those, I consider those contact because yeah. they're so real. They're so intense and um, powerful. And the images, uh, uh, they're evocative and there's communication. So there's, there's something there. I had a dream. Uh, maybe about while I was writing the book that is coming out in uh, 24, April uh, 24, that I saw this, uh, this it, it was this elongated kind of galaxy, like a cigar-shaped galaxy looking thing coming at me, right? But what was coming at me was these kind of halogen lamp type of disks. So mm -hmm. these disks that looked like halogen lamp lamps lights and they were sort of shooting off this cigar shaped thing that was coming toward me and it was followed those those halogen uh, disc like things were followed by other objects that were connected one of them was a pine tree which is interesting and then there were other kind of you know technologies and things and when i i, I said to my wife look this is a ufo see this is a ufo and then um in my mind, in the dream, what I realized is the UFO was enabling me to see what it thought I wanted to see. Oh, so oh. there was something where it was presenting to me because it was in my mind, reaching into my mind telepathically mm -hmm. and, say, and presenting in a way that I guess was palpable for me. Um, but I, I use that, I use those dream images, that dream images in my book uh, that's coming out. Um, and even, you know, in Mescalito, there's, it's, you know, uh, I'll tell more about that. But I did want to make one, one point of the Neapolitan stories. Okay. So 
there's a bit of time travel involved in it. Oh, I love talking about that. It, it just it just had this incredible, uh, you know, my father passed away in 1991, let's say. So it's a long time ago. It's still. Sorry. And, well, thank you. Thank you. And at some point, maybe 10 years after he passed away, I started to, you know, you need time to heal, to kind of separate and... Uh, I started to read things I thought he would like to read. So I started to read these books on, which I'd never read at the, you know, when I was younger, I was not interested in Neapolitan music. I didn't like the music they listened to. Now I love it. Um, but I started to read a, a book on Neapolitan music and I mm -hmm. became so interested. I wrote to the author and then he and I started to correspond. Um, in the meantime, I'd been writing stories, but they, they weren't fully formed yet. Mm -hmm. This author kind of became a bit of a mentor to me. And he was like, send me your stories. you know, send me." Mm -hmm. So I sent him and he gave me some great advice. And there wasn't like red marks, red lines. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just, you know how some people you can connect on creative things yeah. and they can provide that little bit of glue or whatever it is that you need. Um, and anyway, it, I wound up writing a series of stories and I wound up writing a book as a result of it, but it kind of felt like, you know, my, my father had kind of written to me from beyond. Oh, how beautiful. Had sort of it basically saying, you know, cause your dad, I'm a dad. I have two sons. Mm -hmm you want to, you'll do anything, you know, for, uh, for the ones you love and maybe the, you know, animals or you children, you'll do. Well, I, have two, I have two boys myself two boys. And, and I was yeah. always told I'd never have children. So the fact, and, and I you get it as a parent and I never mean to be disrespectful to anybody that maybe right. isn't a human parent, but is a pet parent or what, but there's just, you'd give your life in a heartbeat, right? Like in a heartbeat for those boys. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I do think, you know, my dad was a gambler and it kind of put us in a rough situation. We were kind of plopped into, you know, not the greatest. I grew up in New York City. I grew up in a little bit rough section. Can I share and something I, with you? I'm sorry. I've please? never done this on the show. Please? Your dad just came through and said, I'm so sorry for that. Wow. I, I, I don't normally do this on my show, but he's got a very strong mm. personality and he's here. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> good. Oh, I'm so sorry. And he just said, to, he said, Michael, I don't know if he called you Michael, but I just heard he did. that. Sometimes okay. when he was mad at me. <laughs> I'm mad at you. He's very, I have goosebumps too. And it's not cold. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. He also that's wants sweet. to let you know, I never do this during a show, but he's no, asking, please. and he's so sweet, and he says to let you know how much he loves you and uh, how incredibly proud he is of you. Oh, that's I didn't very sweet. I didn't to stop your story, but he really uh, does have strong energy. <laughs> well, please, you know, please vocalize those as they come, okay. because that was the kind of voice that was calling to me. And I think it was sort of, uh, when you come from a certain kind of neighborhood, a certain place, you know, your, your parents let you go to school, become an accountant, you know, make sure you, you do this kind of thing. And I think the writing, I know that um, he was creative. My dad was an artist, so he uh, could, and he was without training. And I think there was something that he wanted to, he had unfinished business is my point. 
And he sent me a note into the future from the past to say, go do this. Yeah. You know, we missed this because I was involved and, you know, I was distracted. But here I am now. And uh, I truly believe that. And it, it was oh, emotional. It was so emotional for me. I would write those those stories, and sometimes I would write them and be and begin to tear because my I, I wanted to connect emotionally. It wasn't just facts and just that kind of thing. It was uh, a resurrection, a reincorporation, and a bit and a bit of healing for for both of us. That's what he show. I never do this during a show. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, you could you could watch my shows. I don't do this, but your dad does keep showing me how even if there felt like there was a bit of disconnect, right? And I don't know if it was the music or what, but he's showing me like you two meshed together over this work. And the mm. other part is, is that the reason why he's so proud, he says, because of the dad you are, and he's almost, mm. he's not saying it, but he's showing me back in that time when you were little, he wasn't able to express, it, it wasn't what a man would do back in those days to be the type of mm. dad that you are today. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's nice to hear. I mean, I remember, you know, as he, whereas my mom, you know, super affectionate yeah. Sicilians, my gosh, you know, you're everyone's sitting on everyone's lap yeah. all the time. And he was a little bit more reserved. He was Neapolitan, mm -hmm. but not, not that there's so much more reserved, but he was, but when he would drape his arm around me, he was a tall guy. He was, you mm -hmm. know, six, a little bit shy over six feet. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was always felt so great to be cloaked in his, you know, uh, in his uh, kind of uh, presence, let's put it yes. that way. Um, so I, you know, thank you for that. And as he as he reappears, um, I'm sure at some point I also know that you know my dad. I was always into the wild and into the uh, super imaginative, um, and maybe he couldn't always go there with me. But also, <laughs> he did. He did invite me there you know, as well. I believe that because time, yeah. okay, when I talk about with time, I'm getting super excited. Sorry, but I am because you said that he wrote you a letter from the past and projected it into the future on the other side, whatever people want to call it, heaven, mm -hmm. the universe, whatever, there is no time. And, and it's the present, past, and future all happening at the same time. So I was hearing a huge, yes, yes. And you get this, you got it from him. Yeah. And it's really throughout, even in my current work, there's uh, the, the work that hasn't yet come out. Um, there are sections with, with him in it because there's some, uh, you know, there's, there's some, uh, there's a spirit and they're your parents that you, they, they stay with you all your life. Of course, you're part yes. of them. Exactly. And, uh, and I feel very thankful. I mean, there were things I said that I revealed that he probably would kill me for saying. But at the same time, there are things I think that it was a cleansing for both of us. You know what the beauty in it is when we go back home, and I truly believe this, I've studied near-death experiences professionally and personally for over 40 years, plus I had one as a toddler. And the beauty in it is we play a role when we come down here, right? We're an everlasting soul spirit whatever you want to call it and we're just here having a human experience so you experienced your dad in this lifetime in his human role but that's not who he is as a soul right yeah. so he would never ever and I, I know what you meant by he'd probably kill yeah. me for what 
I said, no, <laughs> that's why he doesn't have a problem with it. And he's so proud yeah. because you're, you're fulfilling why you came here. One of your reasons. And he, he's just beaming, <laughs> just beaming. Yeah. Really proud and I like that you pointed that out. I like that you pointed that out because at, at that point, everything is revealed anyway. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, whether or not you consciously and you know you're a part of the collective uh and yeah i do i do think it's it's just that kind of that the personal aspect of it um the human part right exactly <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. the human mm -hmm. part but but what a gift you know what a gift to to bring to me uh in the way he has and that has launched um you know all of the the projects that I've done. Uh, the he said, writing "Don't tell yourself so short, Michael." Yeah, and yeah. and I'm going to tell you this. He keeps saying Michael. I have not called you Michael <laughs> once, like in our messages before. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I have, because he said, and he's he's not being serious. He just maybe so he knows you. He means it, and he's yeah. I don't use my hands like this either. <laughs> <laughs> and he's um, I almost feel when you were sharing this, like you're channeling your dad, like. He's hmm. almost like he's in that spiritual ear as, as you wish. Yeah. And again, goosebumps. So it must, yeah. something's coming from him. Yeah. I feel it too. I now, and as you're saying it, I, I really do feel it. And I, and they always, you know, they would always say my family, they, that we were similar because we were both the, my two sisters and brother, they aren't, everyone is creative. Everyone is creative, mm -hmm. but they're not in the creative in the way that we are my dad and i which uh, you know to be to be uh, uh visual artists mm -hmm. um he had other skills i mean he could do things like we when we were when i was a kid in school there was a a, a project to do some sculpting of something this is a man that never sculpted anything and we brought home i think it was clay or something and he sculpted something beautifully and i brought it into school as if i sculpted it and they were <laughs> they were like Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, real uh, a real creative uh, artist, and uh, I still have his works till these day till this day. I actually did a show of his work. It was at my work and his work. A friend of mine who's an artist has a a studio, and in in his uh, studio we did a show of it. There were other people involved as well, generational. A connection of art so a friend of mine showed her uncle's work uh, i showed my dad's work what a way to work. honor him and he said thank you he was there yeah yeah well you're welcome dad and i digitized all his work and i've i've made copies of everything and i've also given i've uh, framed some of his work and given them to uh to my uh family so what my brother to him mike yeah Mm-hmm. I know he appreciated it. They were lying in a closet that my mom had. And I said, You're just leaving. What's you know, can I can I have these? So I mm -hmm. gobbled them up and I did everything with them, digitized them, framed them professionally. So they 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 will live on. They were uh, honored the way they they were meant to. Not that your mom dishonored them, but you you I almost feel like you you recognize the importance and the beauty in them that needed to be shared with the rest of the family and whom you shared mm -hmm. it with. It's that reciprocity. And by the way, Michael, you know, I was kind of joking, but he did, there was, there was a lot of Michael. 
So I've uh, never because like, yeah. we have email. Yeah. I've never once been tempted to call you Michael, and it just yeah. came out like it kept coming out. I was like, "Where's this coming from?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's so cool. I could see yeah. why you're a writer, though, from how you described yourself as a child, because I think to be a good writer, which I would consider you to be, is that you have to have that type of super creativity and imagination and all those little bits and pieces to bring it together to weave a story that people want to read. Mm -hmm. because you could read nonfiction and it can get quite dry, but if you've got a creative writer, and I'm not saying that's you, I'm saying not the creative writer part, I'm talking about the dry nonfiction. Mm -hmm. but if you have a really good creative writer, people could... Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. write the phone book and people would read it because you have that ability to craft the story and draw them in. Yeah. You know, telling the story. And I, I think it takes a few things and, you know, not that I'm pontificating about, you know, uh, uh, writing, but it takes a few things. One is uh, I like the way the Russians say you need to have a good, butt, and what that means is you have to sit it down and do the work. It, there is inspiration, but writing, actually from the writing comes inspiration. And from the writing, the work and the sweat comes, there's birth that happens in that process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was writing, it's funny, I'll tell you the story of Mescalito that... Uh, yeah, let's get into it, because that's an interesting title. So it actually comes from, uh, it comes from a, a song that uh, Peter Rowan, who I will talk about, um, okay. that one of his songs, and he he says uh, um, it's called the the song is called the Free Mexican Air Force. Okay. And it's it's sort of about the legalization of marijuana is really what the song is about, and how the government is trying to stop that because they want to imprison your light and your illumination and mm -hmm. you know your freedom, is the premise of the the song. And one in the line is, uh, Mescalito riding his white horse. <laughs> so is that what that's about? Because I don't have a problem with that. I don't use yeah. it myself. I actually, and I'm not encouraging one way or another. We don't give any kind yeah. of advice. I mean, sure. just for this yeah. medical advice. But even though I come from a big pharma background i always say i i do i really look for something natural always and i think that that is one of nature's medicines for many people <laughs> too yeah. oh yeah and so just to tell you a little bit about and um about uh, the book and the and, and conception of the book so i had been doing uh music interviews with musicians mm 
-hmm. And I'd, I'd done some, uh, I did an interview with uh, Scott Sherrard, who was the guitar player for Greg Allman. Okay. And it was very serendipitous how I discovered him. I essentially went to a bar with a friend who forced me to go out because he was in from out of town and said, let's go to the local bar, small bar, but they have phenomenal uh, uh, performers and bands that play. So we go, we just, we're, you know, go to the bar. I'm kind of begrudgingly having a beer and I can't believe this player. And he is just amazing. And anyway, I looked him up. That was Scott Sherrard. Mm -hmm. And he was, he played with Greg Allman, which is a very big deal. Um, and he, uh, he plays with Little Feet now. He's the, he's basically, if you, if you know Little Feet, he's the Lowell George of Little Feet. So that's, that's a huge, big deal. I, I'm not familiar with him. As you're speaking, I think, oh my gosh, I should have my partner Dell here. He'd be having a field day <laughs> with you with music. Cause he, he listens to all kinds of music and I'm not familiar with a lot of these artists. That's why I was excited to have you on. Cause I knew you would educate me. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, we, you know, I'm sort of deeply into it. Um, so I, you know, was doing music interviews with different musicians mm -hmm. and I was also simultaneously interviewing um, indigenous artists I love so it. there's a long story. I'll try not to go too much into it, but a friend of mine, the friend that the, my friend Carlos, who uh, his, he put on the exhibit of my father's work, mm -hmm. he's Guatemalan and he's half indigenous. Okay. And when uh, I, I would go to his studio and he was doing portraits. So he does portraits with MTA, New York city, MTA, uh, uh, cards so a subway card okay. i'm not you know maybe folks don't know what they look like but they're essentially like orange black and uh orange black and yellow and those kinds of colors he cuts them out very meticulously he uses you know scopes and he uses uh even gold gild and he makes portraits and they oh, are you know what? I saw a picture of that. I swear to God, when you were talking about the cards, like literally, I thought, I bet she's going to say portraits and these incredible faces that until you I bet you get up really close, you don't even know what they're made of, right? Yes. And he's and it, he it, uncanny artist, incredible uh, skill. So he was doing these portraits of indigenous artists and it, it connects to Mescalito. We'll get there. I'm in his studio. We go there on a Friday night. We just kind of hang out, have a few beers. You know, we'll talk art, but we're also just having fun. Other people stop by. In the in he has, you know, portraits of Crazy Horse, for example. But he had one portrait. I'm looking back. I said, what's that portrait right there? You kind of have it's the one behind over there. Mm -hmm. Takes the portrait out. And the portrait of the is of uh, this guy, Ernie Panicoli. Now, Ernie Panicoli is half Cree, and uh, he's actually half Italian by his name. Interesting. From Brooklyn, and he is a hip-hop photographer. So he's photographed all of the big hip-hop names. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, if you meet Ernie, he's a kind of no BS type of guy. He's yeah. uh, He's got a real groundedness to him. He comes from places that many of these kinds of, you know, the, the rap artists come from. And I think they had a trust for him. So and when you see his, his yeah, when you see his photos, he captures 
something about them and there's a trust that you could see there's a relaxedness and that that's why he was so you know famous anyway um this portrait of ernie you know i say i have to meet ernie i have to talk to him so i i wound up doing an interview with ernie subsequently we've become pretty good friends that's cool at some point ernie said he felt like he trusted me you know i i did the article and uh the eyes of the portrait were so alive they were just you could feel a, a spirit behind the eyes and I said, uh, Ernie said, hey, Mike, would you be interested in interviewing a, this Tibetan singer, Yungchin Lamo? And I said, sure. And he goes, you know, because he couldn't help it. He says, you have to, you know, you have to take care of her. You have to, you know, I trust you. And I said, of course, of course, Ernie, I'll, of course, I'll take care of her. I'll do the right thing. Be very respectful. Uh, I met Yungchin on, I actually met her, this was during COVID. So we did a, a Zoom uh, call, and she was dressed. She's from Tibet, and she was wearing Tibetan you know, regalia. And as I'm speaking to her, she's praying, because this is something Tibetans often do. So she was, oh, as we're speaking. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of, you know, it took me a few seconds. Um, culture comes in once again, right? Culture comes in. <laughs> and, you know, I I have been, I've been, you know, I've been meditating. I've been interested in Buddhism. I've, I'm interested in world religions. I'm interested in wisdom traditions in general. But I do like the metaphysics. I'm very drawn to the metaphysics of Buddhism. Um, I'm drawn to the ethical and the moral aspects of it. Not that I live, you know, firmly by those. I do my best aspirationally to live by them. We all do. <laughs> we we try are. Our best. We're flawed. We're flawed. <laughs> yep. And anyway, I had read that Yungchen, who she miraculously left Tibet, fled Tibet with her son on her back, she said, and found herself in Australia, where she got into the music scene, and she was picked up by Peter Gabriel's record label. Oh, wow. Big deal. She yeah. put out an album. She was a, you know, a big sensation. Uh, she's been on the world stage with Paul McCartney and, you know, other oh, folks. Wow. Um, when she met Ernie Panicoli, she met him at some gala, and she said, uh, Ernie said to me, he goes, she walked up to me. Ernie looks, he looks uh, uh, indigenous. He, she said, he said, she walked up to me, put her hands on my hands, and basically called me a brother. And he said he was so moved by her. Yeah. That, you know, and it was emotional, and he was sort of, it was a little embarrassing, you know, he, all these people, Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, are, and, and this woman singles him out. Anyway, I had read that Yungchen met with, uh, had performed with Peter Rowan, mm -hmm. who is a, a bluegrass legend. So that's, that's really who the book is inspired by, Peter Rowan. Okay. So I said... Um, uh, she said, would you like to meet him? I never ask people when I meet musicians, you know, they've played with the the, the big ones. They've played with. It's you know, kind of tacky though, really, it's right? Tacky. Like, how do you, you never ask. I always say, I never really want to be famous unless you had a lot of people around you when you were nobody, right? Because somebody always wants something from you. It's true. It's very much. And, you know, I'm as a, as a music journalist, you know, I, I often, my i want them to feel comfortable i at the end of the day it's my 
greatest goal is. I don't, by the way, interview people that I, or musicians and artists mm -hmm. that I don't really like. So okay. because I don't, what's the point of, of writing an article about music or art or something you don't like? I just don't, that's not me. I'm not going to go there. But when she said, do you want to talk to Peter? I mean, I would have said, can you please introduce me to Peter Rowan? So she said, uh, do you want to talk to him? I said, yes. Uh, we texted and then she says, he's waiting for your call. Now, let me dial back a little bit. Um, so Peter Rowan played, I, I realize many people may not know what bluegrass is. I'll sort of talk about it for a bit. So bluegrass is basically, it's a form of, it, it's in a way a subgenre of country music. Mm -hmm. It's faster. There's, a, there's an emphasis on uh, kind of gospel singing. Uh, there's an emphasis on musician virtuosity. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like country music, but it, it's a little bit more. Of course, it's evolved. I was trying to find a bluegrass Christmas song because I like to kind of make my banners for the show. But I really I couldn't find one that jived with me. So I'm interested in hearing your take on this, why you're drawn to it. And I'm already hearing some interesting things. So. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, you couldn't be more further away from bluegrass being from Queens, New York in the 70s. You, you couldn't be more far away. Right. But it did eke in through the culture. It came in through things like hee-haw. And it comes in through even, you know, advertisements. It's it's in there in the culture. So we, we got bits of it. Deliverance, the movie, you know. I know it's a pretty intense song. movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know it's, I know what it's about, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the music and the music was, you know, performed by very established bluegrass musicians. When I I I'd heard bluegrass um, here and there, but the important thing to say as well is that Peter Rowan, who played with Bill Monroe, who's considered the father of bluegrass, okay. he did he did kind of uh, he did create something new there were different kinds of things like ragtime there was um you know gospel music there was country music uh there was western swing but he kind of cobbled it all together and created this this very different form that hadn't yet existed so peter played with uh bill monroe he was a kid he was maybe 22 23 uh touring the world with him he left Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, and then he went on to become a kind of psychedelic, uh, play psychedelic music. Um, he's kind of earned a reputation as being a kind of psychedelic cowboy. Anyway, he played, he played in a group called Olden in the Way, mm -hmm. and Olden in the Way, one of the members was Jerry Garcia. I so know who he, that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but that's exactly the point, that you hit it right on the head. Yeah. Jerry Garcia had such a huge footprint and such a huge following, the Grateful Dead, mm -hmm. that what they were attracted to is, I think Peter was attracted to Jerry's um, imagination and uh, incredible musical uh, journey that, that Jerry Garcia had launched. Jerry was attracted to Peter's, he was a, he's one of the sources. He played with Bill Monroe. So their music brought bluegrass to people like me and to people around, people from the cities, not not people from only from Rosine, Kentucky, or from Tennessee, or from you know those parts where okay, maybe. Okay, so I want to ask you. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, so, sure. 
Oh, I want to ask if this is the same person I'm thinking of. Have you heard of the comedian Leanne Morgan? I have, yes. Okay. She talks about her eldest son being a little old man and into bluegrass and country. And I, I, I'm positive she said his favorite artist was, was Bill Monroe. It was either Bill Monroe or something to that effect. I don't know if it was or not. What I, Because um, I'm positive that's a genre. He would, And he would have been quite old quite a little old man i think he's still yeah. is he not uh bill monroe he passed away he's okay. he, he would yeah he he would probably be like near 100 uh, yeah because he was he was old like her son's probably in his mid to late 20s it sounds like but when he was a little boy he just and they're from tennessee and i'm positive she was talking about this bill monroe because she talks about it in one of her comedy things and i'm positive yeah. I had to ask you because I, I think that's who she was talking about. It, if she likes bluegrass, she probably likes Bill Monroe because he's, you know, he's no, the one. No, it was one. her son as a little boy. She was her talking son. about him being this little little old man in a little boy's <laughs> body and bringing him to bluegrass and gospel uh, concerts when little, you know, teenagers didn't go to those kind of things. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, we dragged. <laughs> no, please, please. Uh, it, it's it's best when we're uh, when it's two way. I I get uh, so caught up in what I'm uh, uh, saying, so I apologize if I'm uh, you know. Uh, no, I'm I'm like glued <laughs> to this listening. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had you know I really from this group Olden in the way myself and you know many people. I know this because I'm involved in different bluegrass. Uh, groups and i've uh i write for bluegrass journals and we all know that olden in the way was an ambassador so they brought bluegrass to to city folks and to folks outside that that world and peter rowan wrote a bunch of those songs panama red panama red he'll steal your woman then he'll rob your head panama red mm -hmm. and you know he wrote uh in that group he wrote the, the principal songs and so when I had a chance to interview him, oh, I should mm -hmm. I should add too. Now let's fast forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'd heard you know bluegrass through different things. I heard bluegrass through Olden in the Way. A friend of mine was had a, a vast music collection, and he kind of had a hippie music collection. And Olden in the Way would be in that kind of milieu. You know they they. Okay. It was bluegrass brought to hippies. And I don't say that in any kind of judgmental or any way at all, just that that's because of Jerry Garcia, that connective tissue brought those worlds together. Okay. And it really, it truly launched a whole, uh, a whole new revival of the music. Um, then when my brother went to college, so I'm two years younger than my brother, he went to college. He, uh, I went to his dorm room and I'm in his dorm room and I hear this music, bluegrass, and it's loud. It's, it's, you know, breakneck speed. And I just turned around. I'm kind of gripped by it, like a calling, you know, like a like a deer called into the woods, you know, like a um, a magician showing you something and then you go follow and you. So I go and I listen. It's this guy from Virginia. You know, I walked into his room, he's probably, who are you? And uh, I started asking him about the music. And he said it was the Stanley Brothers. He kind of told me, schooled me a little bit. That sounds familiar, the Stanley Brothers. Yeah, the, you would know them maybe from Oh Brother, Where Are Thou? Oh so, my God, you're going to, yeah. oh, you're not going to believe this. This yeah. happens on my show lots. You know what I've been thinking of? 
I'm I'm I've been thinking about this for the last 10 minutes. I was going to ask you, there's got to be some music. I know there is an old brother. Oh, brother, where art thou? Because the reason why is my partner, Del, who has a musician background, loves that soundtrack. He doesn't play it all the time, but he loves the, the music from that. Like we, if you right. met my partner, Del, you, people always assume so many things about him. He has really long hair. He is Métis, which would be your friend Ernie. I was thinking that's what we would call it in Canada. It's a First mm. Nations nationality mm. with another nationality. But mm. they people think that he does illegal substances. He doesn't. <laughs> and he's actually a really smart guy. Like when yeah. I first met him, he had short hair and he's grown it longer because it looks good on him long, I think. But the, the, it, when he told me he listened to things like Britney Spears or Justin Timberlake and then, oh, bro, oh brother, where art thou? And you know what he does when he wants to drive me crazy? Sorry to divert. Well, I know we'll get back to the story quickly. And this is the big joke. I, yeah. I really don't appreciate Polka. I'm sorry. I, I just Polka. Took. Okay, so we go to a lot of concerts when you said you and your wife sit and listen to music. Yeah, we do too. We have music on all the time at our house. That's a big thing going to concerts. He plays this group. Is it called Hamelstein or something? It's a polka it's, band. Do you know? Well, of I don't them? know them. I don't okay. know them. He sent me the name of it before, and I've shared it with a few people. They play like Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, but Polka or uh, Lady Gaga, and he'll just crank it because he oh knows. You know, just to, not to make me mad. I wouldn't get mad anyways, but it's just like, how do you like this? <laughs> right, right. So you just said, oh, brother, where art thou? And I've been thinking that for 10 minutes, and I thought, well, when we have a little pause. I'm going to ask you about it, and you just said it. Well, that's because we're we're communicating. Yes. But uh, the the um, the album that Olden and the Way put out was the most successful bluegrass album until "Oh Brother Where Art Thou" came out, oh, and uh, okay. and and that really launched. Uh, you know that that kind of brought you know it popularized because it's always been in the it's always been regional and kind of in the background. Mm -hmm. um, but where I was going with it is that. When I I had you know, I'd grown up with this music, and I'd grown up it's you know listening to it in in you know we grew up in projects and in the winter when it was freezing cold we would sit in the project stairways mm -hmm. and have a little eight you know uh, not not an eight track it was a cassette radio and would listen to music and this the ghetto music, blaster we used to call ghetto it ghetto blaster oh yeah yeah we have I have I have a funny story well I have stories about my uh. The uh, the attempted theft of my uh, ghetto blaster. How dare they! <laughs> oh my gosh, it was pretty intense. It's pretty. I it was pretty you. intense. Mm -hmm. um, but you know that when you hear something all of your life, it just music. Music gets deep into your your subconscious. It becomes part of the fabric. It your soul. Part of your soul. And you know what I always say about our genre too? And I always say, oh God, we sound like we're 90 years old going back in my day. But no, yeah. if you think about our genre, like if they were, I always hate labels that so they call Gen Xers or millennials, but we are, I think we are one of the most malleable age periods in our modern times, because back in the day, if you had a TV, 
it was black and white. You might've had one channel and then remember the phones, like a, one of the funniest videos on YouTube is when people show their kids the rotary phone and say, how do you use it? And kids have no idea. You know, like we're all in the back in the day, if you need privacy, you're yanking that phone cord in your room and closing the door. And then, you know, when you tell people didn't have a portable phone and then you went to, uh, we finally had color TVs and there was eight tracks for music back in the day and records and now records are becoming an art form again which i think is very important but you went mm -hmm. from eight tracks and then eventually you went to cds and dvds and vcr tapes and then you're going to mp3 players and you know mm -hmm. we really had to change a lot we had no computers true. no mm -hmm. it's very so true i think we're very diverse we we, we uh and things changed they did they changed rapidly mm -hmm. i mean i had mm -hmm. albums cassettes then cds and then now What's, you Do you know, remember and, and when you used to buy a whole cassette just for one song? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I did have eight tracks too. I mean, I do. I do remember having an eight. My dad had them. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, we had some. I, I I don't remember the artist, but you know, music has that way of, you know, if you think when you at weddings, the mm -hmm. funerals, mm -hmm. at graduations, yeah. at revolutions, you know, there's music accompanying good and bad but it becomes it it's so um it's so evocative you can hear a song i can start crying i could listen to something and just mm -hmm. be reminded of a time of a place it's you that it's why you know, you know why I think it's so important you know why because i we, i think one of our first senses in the womb to develop is hearing and when we leave this earth that is our last sense to go mm having worked mm. in palliative care, people that are in mm. comas, people that are palliative, that is their last sense to go. And I think that mm. that's why one of the reasons is, is yeah. mm -hmm, it's ingrained. I, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm exploring it. I mean, music cleanses the soul. It cleanses Absolutely. Um, it's, um, it's the best way to reach the soul. I mean, it is, I shouldn't say, it's one way. It is a way to reach the soul. There music are many ways to do heaven, that. okay. Yeah. And, there aren't words in our language to explain the colors and what you see and the music mm. like and you could see why when you've had an experience and it gets so ingrained in your soul and there's music that you associate with that or think about even a movie how boring mm -hmm. a movie would be with no music and people don't think about those kind of things or even the sound effects that's yeah. what makes the experience. You music is really mm -hmm. almost the language of life. I think. I I agree, and it's and it's it's it has a, a depth to it because it's beyond language. It's it goes into places of your your brain and your body and your experience, and some are tucked away. Some are kind of, mm -hmm. you know, maybe their memories, maybe their pockets, the Akashic records. You know, it kind of triggers these mm -hmm. uh, these. Um, callings and they could be from a time you you in this life didn't experience mm -hmm. so there's that richness so when i finally did i interviewed uh peter now peter is 82 now when okay. i interviewed him i interviewed him say like let's say four or three years ago i don't remember mm -hmm. i'm this is a person that has had 50 albums has played oh, wow. with everyone mm -hmm. has played with you know uh, with many, many musicians. So 
vast career. And here I am calling him to have a half hour conversation, to write an article. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, we we spoke no, <laughs> and he's also a raconteur. So Pete, we spoke for about two and a half hours, mm -hmm. and I I just I couldn't get enough. But what was what was happening to me is I started then I started to have dreams. So when you're doing an article, you're typically you're going to have some correspondence, you're going to have a few conversations, mm -hmm. and you know it doesn't necessarily end in the in that half hour. You might iterate over uh, uh, email. But I started to have wild, you know, imaginings and wild dreams. And what a past life with this. I think you've had a couple past lives with him, I'm feeling. Well, and I think I, that you say that that is kind of what the book is about, is we sort of meet. There's this recurrence. I did not know that. <laughs> well, I did not know that before. <laughs> you, you seem to, there's a lot you do know. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you can hear. And we kind of meet in this, uh, we're fated to meet again in this life. I mean, think of the improbability from looking, walking into my friend's uh, art gallery, mm -hmm. uh, studio, I should say. It's a studio slash gallery. Seeing something behind something. And then mm -hmm. from the improbable kind of synchronistic uh, events that then lead me to meet someone who is whose music is at the very foundation of my experience mm -hmm. it's pretty profound and you know i was telling peter i said well after we we kind of did the article i said you know i'm having these imaginings these kind of dreams i have these ideas would you be interested in a longer project mm -hmm. and then he said you know well you know tell me about the project and something to the effect that how you know, music spawns the universe, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I'm interested. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, Peter's a far out guy, but you know, people like him, when you hit, he was just inducted into the Bluegrass Hall of Fame. You know, he's got a, people like that have a lot of people clawing at them. Like we said, you know, yeah, earlier. Yeah, well, don't you love the beauty of a soul like that? Because he sounds very down to earth. Like he's not. Very down to earth. He's not about, look who I am. Look who I played with. Look at how amazing I am. He's down to earth. And I almost feel like he has an innate sense with speaking with you that he knows when people are true souls. Like they're coming for the right reasons. They're not wanting something from him. Because this book sounds like it celebrates who he is and the experiences, but I'll let you obviously let you tell it in your own words. Yeah. No, that's very true. I mean, if I'm honest, the book is it certainly wasn't a work of criticism. So I don't I don't do I never call what I do criticism. I, I call it like post-critical. I'm an enthusiast. I'm a music fanatic. I'm deeply interested in the details. So I think that my intention was to lay a gift at the feet of the master to say this is you know you have inspired this because that's you know the title is inspired by the musical adventures of peter rowan you know someone like him who's you know who talked you know hung out with dylan and hung out with jerry garcia um not that not so much the big names but they have they were on the inside of the culture story so there's something very profound. And he is a literary person. He's interested in wisdom traditions. He's a learned, interested man. Um, mm -hmm. He's done more than bluegrass. And as I've mentioned, he's done like kind of rock, psychedelic music. Mm -hmm. Also Tex-Mex music. 
Um, and uh, oh, he has explain that to me because I'm not quite uh, sure what that is. So it's uh, in in a uh, in uh, in Texas. You actually have a lot of German population moved really? to Texas, and yeah. there are towns that are that have German names. And it's interesting. The kind of music they brought was polka. So you have like what you call umpapa. If you hear uh, ranchero music, which is you know Mexican mm -hmm. country music, yeah, I've heard hear, that. Yeah. So there's that umpapa uh, aspect to it. So uh, Peter went. He's played with uh, mu musicians uh, that natively grew up playing, listening to this music. Flaco Jimenez is an accordion player. Okay. Uh, who comes from that tradition? But Peter's also played, performed, written, and played Hawaiian music. Oh. Uh, so he plays. He's a he is an ambassador of music. He's not exclusive. He's known for bluegrass because that's how labels and promoters mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But when I I've, I've spoken to him, he's listening to jazz. You know, we we're usually discussing jazz, or other music or classical or philosophy. So we go way off. And that's that's what that book kind of explores. He was kind of blowing my mind, if you know, to put it in a... Uh, well, didn't you uh, get into Buddhism in this book? This is just flying yeah. by, by the way. It's already 7.20 yeah. p.m. Oh, cool, cool. Awesome. So Great. didn't you just get into Buddhism and I was reading something about the birds and things about... Yeah. Yeah, so there were some interesting things. I'll read a section, but uh, because Peter is a Buddhist, I, 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 uh, he has an album called Dharma Blues, and they're sort of Buddhist-inspired songs. So they wow. have somewhat of a kind of, have somewhat of a kind of bluegrassy, country-ish, but they're very listenable. You don't have to be a bluegrass fan at all to like that mm -hmm. album. But that album specifically kind of blew me away. As I said, I, I've, you know practiced meditation i've i've attended gone to uh temples and have meditated for many many years mm -hmm. uh both zen and uh uh tibetan and other uh other uh, buddhist temples and i and i i feel an affinity for the teachings and what, what's interesting about the teachings it's not buddhism is maybe less of a, a religion and a way of looking at the it's world a way of life it's a way of life and of looking at the world. And it's sort of like, well, you don't believe it, investigate it. You do the work. And what I found in some of my, you know, interests in ufology, you know, there's, it's certainly, there's a great affinity and a great connection in uh, taking a look at the phenomenon and having an open mind to the reality, the consensus reality that we experience, but what is beyond and bigger than that. But that's uh, the problem, right? Because you have to have an open mind. And for those that don't, right? Like, I love the beauty of life. I try to learn something new every day. You know, you treat people as the way you would like to be treated. You mm -hmm. know, there's, I don't, I'm not a Buddhist and I haven't studied it, no, but I know a little bit about it and it makes so much sense to me including that when you're so close-minded and i'm not saying this with judgment but i think people close their world off when they're so close-minded to not even possibly entertain the idea that just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist mm -hmm. right comes to ufology mm -hmm. or anything within the paranormal you know think about 
even how scorned people are that use their intuition or call themselves a psychic or a medium or anything like that. And everybody has this ability. One of my messages to people into the world, I believe, is to help people remember how incredibly powerful we are with our mm. minds, our words, and our emotions. And we've never been taught to embrace that. I, I, I completely I completely agree with you. I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, we live in our little worlds and you know, all of us do, and, and we get so consumed with our concerns. Um but there's you know we live in a universe that has uh what is it it is two it is a hundred billion galaxies or something that we know of <laughs> that we know of right and you know it's it's it what what we see what we experience in our everyday lives there's a reality to that i mean there's a real losing people is hard and it's, pain is hard yeah. but these are these are kind of what is presenting at the surface too and there's uh to think that the title of my new book that's coming out is called for all we know because oh, no for way. all we know that's and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that later mm -hmm. but for all we know we don't know a lot we we're don't. really nascent we're little babies out there that's and how just, spirit explains humanity and i um I've had some experiences with missing time and possibly UFO, UFOs. I have some incredible videos I've taken and mm. it's it. But my whole point is when you connect with, and we can, there, there are beings that will connect with us if you want. And people may think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you they will. And it's always shown to me from spirit, a spiritual perspective or even from, I, I don't like to call them aliens. I think that's very disrespectful. So if extraterrestrial, however you want to describe it, but we are a young race and I know humanity confounds other races. They never mind that we're a young race, but our propensity for violence and some of the more negative emotions and things like that, because they've evolved so much further past that. Plus I also believe if you believe in reincarnation, that many of us have already had lives on other planets and as other, you know, extraterrestrials or species, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, our science, which I, 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 I value empirical science, but mm -hmm. our science gets too wrapped up in its own story. And mm -hmm. if you think of, you know, science is often, mm -hmm. there's a revolution in science. And then suddenly what is known becomes now just a smaller piece of a greater puzzle. So, you know, there's, there, we're constantly relearning uh, or reevaluating. I mean, look at the, the quantum you know, physics. Uh, you can be, uh, things can be particles and waves. They can be in two places. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can, experiments can show two results or a mm -hmm. myriad of results of, uh, uh, in doing experiments, we can't predict exactly um, the where particles will be. We can predict them by statistical oh, probability. Oh, I'm still here. Sorry, my battery where I was unplugged. I didn't even know. Sorry. You were unplugged, <laughs> no, man. <laughs> I didn't even know. I'm, that's why I was like, oh, you know what's so odd about this? And I swear to God, if there was ever a fly on my wall at the house, 
Del, my partner Del and I, and I work with two other psychic mediums and channels. We were talking just about this quantum physics and vibration and frequency and harmonics and this stuff on the weekend. I swear to God, we were. You were you were uh, you were sending me notes, you know, kind of uh, through the through the ether. Well, but, Kevin, you know, I'm going to read his comment. He maybe this yeah. we'll have to have a listen. Kevin says I keep hearing whispering of it, whispering voice when I'm speaking. Really? So when I'm, I'm speaking or you? When I am. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe we've got, I, I have had EVPs and people have had EVPs happen. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's your dad. I don't know. Maybe we'll well, hear something. Please, uh, please tell me what he's saying. I don't know. Like I said, um, I'll have a listen. And Kevin or yeah. Zizan Dragon, he's a, um, there's other regular people here to listen. He goes past past few times you spoke. So like he'll have a listen. Probably I'll have a listen. Anybody in the replay. So if any of you listening and you hear that or you pick it up, please be sure to send it to me or Mike, you're on Facebook too. I know I'm going to give you a chance at the end or wherever on yeah. social media. Let Mike have a listen too. If you pick it up, if you can isolate it, we'll see what we do. Yeah. Hear. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that, just to go back to that's what uh, attracted me uh, to Buddhism, but I think it's it's completely it's completely consistent with what I've read uh, mm -hmm. in ufology. And what's interesting is in after while writing this book, I often when I'm writing something, I'm re I start reading things to get inspiration. And so I came upon a book called The Flip by Jeff Kripal. Okay. which is is about paranormal and it's about ufology and it's a very concise book very readable and that if i showed you my library my wife is beginning to get worried it's 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 increased a third fold or so and it's it, you know the the ufo phenomena which includes paranormal subject uh uh, of course the ufo subject and it gets very deep into philosophy philosophy of mind and mm -hmm. I, I think recently more more so, it's become a, a compendium of related subjects. I just went this weekend to, there's the uh, anomalous uh, in New York City, they've had these uh, anomalous events. And it's a gathering of people from different disciplines. Some are philosophers, some mm -hmm. are psychics, some are government, former government people. And it's it's. I love talking different. about that. <laughs> All of these people coming together, and mm -hmm. kind of, with a different point of view. Some are pure scientists. At mm -hmm. some point, were only just scientific thinking, and then had experiences that made them question the education that they received and the kind of, I would say, mainstream view of what is acceptable uh, interpretations of the universe. Okay, so who's the judge of that, though, right? When you ask what's acceptable, that question came yeah. to mind right away. Who gets yeah. to judge what's what's acceptable and what's not? So I'm dying to hear this. <laughs> I mean, I think I think a lot of it is I think where that those paradigms come from. I think at the end of in this is my opinion, I think that the the institutions, the corporations that kind of control the uh, control messages. Because for us to be divinely inspired by who we yeah. are and what this experience is and the interconnectivity between, you know, me and, which is very Buddhist, between me and you and between me and a mountain, me and the trees and the birds, when 
if I start to become too enamored with that, I become a danger to the, you know, the corporations and the institutions, you know, government and corporations are kind of <laughs> bound up together. And so I think that they are the ones, if I'm to call someone out, uh, to call something out, because, and a part of what people ask for disclosure on UFO subject. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel, you know, the government is, doesn't, first of all, they don't know what to say. What are they going to say? They're going to say, well, there are these things that happen that, frankly, we don't understand. They are magical. I think they is, know more than they're. They do know more. Yeah. You know what Trump said this weekend? And I don't know why, but he said, I've never heard him say this, but when we were having this conversation, he has said, I have a funny feeling in the year 2024 that we're going to be finding out a lot of things that we weren't told. We're going to see a fall of a lot of old belief systems and things. And he seems to feel 2024, it's the year of the dragon, and that there's going to be mm. a lot of things that, that fall and a lot of things that are revealed and in a positive way that are revealed. Yeah, and I pray that that's true. And, and it, so I think that what... <laughs> doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what my that's what my new book is about, is about this discovery, this arc of discovery from maybe a skeptic who's creative, you know, kind of it's. I'm hoping you're going to come back and talk. Not that oh, I'm, I'm definitely going anywhere, but I'm hoping you're going to come back and talk about your new book, too. <laughs> please, please. I definitely want to. Mm -hmm. um, but what what is when I was researching this, it led me on and I kind of come back to this theme of a call from somewhere. And you, you know, you when. When someone makes the call, you got to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I dialed into this, you know, I would say prior to, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't educated on the topic. And so having then read through and gotten deep into it and now um, corresponding with uh, uh, ufologists and people studying the phenomena and it, as in all things, just like with music musicians, People can tell when you are truly passionate and interested, and they can tell when you have an agenda. My agenda is I'm eager and interested to learn, and I want to be in conversation, and I want to be I want to I'm, I'm interested to be taught. Ideally, it would be a kind of a dialogue. Um, but that was all launched from, you know, I'm going to dial it back. It all is launched from looking at a picture of Ernie Panicoli. And this kind of catapulting of a forward movement, and you know, here I am today. Um, writing this book was, I would say, it was very gutsy because I took. It begins as an interview, so it begins as an interview, and then I'm going to go on and I'm going to read something for you. Um, when you find grab it, though, you know what I'm going to add. Though I love yeah. to have people on that maybe have a topic, well, first of all, that maybe I haven't talked about, but also have an interesting concept for a book. And I want to know how you end up with bluegrass and these topics, right? And you bring it all together because I think it make, makes for a very interesting, profound discussion. So please share what you were going to share. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. And, and well, thank you. And I will say that uh, I think it, it took guts to, to write something that, combines um interview it's different different modes uh 
interview with creative writing with basically mm-hmm. dream journal um i take peter's story but it's also my relationship the inspiration mm-hmm. that he brought to me so it's not a a biography uh, a, a biography of him there are you know biographical aspects to it but i do want to read one piece if i could find it i'll get to it um, you know what do you strike me as the type of person that when you see a story that needs to be written and you feel it from the depths of your soul, right? It's almost like it writes itself. I'm not saying there wasn't work involved, but like you said, it took guts to do this because mm-hmm. there's not a book necessarily exactly like this one, but it's very profound how three subjects you normally wouldn't hear put together all come together in one book. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, for anyone that is inspired and has an idea, pursue it, go for it. Um, whatever crazy it sounds, just uh, you never know. And I, the manuscript was accepted in a, you know, kind of a raw. Uh, still working on it, mm-hmm. but I think they saw the the potential of the idea. And it's interesting. Some people have read. I think some people are very moved by it, and because it. It, it does fill a niche of something that hadn't been done. But I'll, I'll just give, I'll read a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And this is called, I should say, I've peppered throughout the prose words from Peter's songs, which is something you're not usually, you're not allowed to do typically. Peter gave me authorization. Ah, so very nice of him. So this is called, I have been illusions fool. And I'll read parts of it just a little bit. I had a dream weeks after our meeting, meeting with Peter in the dream. I was given a sacred object, perhaps by extraterrestrials. The object looked benign. When I looked closer, I saw a likeness of green and I saw a likeness of a green and purple Yoda. But the image could only be discovered by holding the object sideways and upside down, like the way you might suddenly hear the encoded messages in bluegrass or in other music. You had to discover the primer to truly hear it. You had to come to this realization. It was as if a a hysterical cosmic joke had been revealed to me, telling me that the mind is formed of constructs that are built on yet more atomic constructs, Mm -hmm. and that this miniaturization continues into emptiness. Yes, we have agency, but we are enmeshed in history. Our minds are trapped in the context in which they are formed. Dreams, meditations, psychedelic experiences Mm -hmm. may help us see through the illusion, but even those epiphanies are ephemeral. We are star-stuffed, dust accumulated. Mm -hmm. The wind can blow us away. And while logic is vital to our existence, compassion is our compass. That, That just meant every word meant so much and i got it kevin no worry about the title or typo see uh z sun dragon is kevin he said oh thank you he says interesting stuff mike oh thank you thank you so much if anyone has any questions uh, you know more than happy to uh to to talk about it uh to to answer i'll read something here as well that was beautiful too mike by the way well thank you thank you um This is me talking to Peter. And I said, in one interview, I said, the interview interviewer asked you, what was it like to go from playing bluegrass to playing in a psychedelic band? Mm 
And your answer was, what could be more psychedelic than bluegrass? And I said, I love that answer. Can you tell me more what you meant? He said, the veil that keeps bluegrass from being appreciated more deeply is that notes go by too fast. The fiddle was the only sustaining instrument in a bluegrass ensemble. The guitar has occasional leads, but is mostly rhythm hidden down in the matrix of counter rhythms. When it worked, it was transportive. Bluegrass is extremely hard to play, true to its potential. I've heard tapes of Bill Monroe shows where the band wasn't up to it, but that didn't stop Bill Monroe. The band could be dragging behind, but Bill wouldn't let them drag behind. One of the first things he told me before I joined the band, and one of the last things he said was, and pardon my southern accent, Pete, I could have taken on all the bluegrass boys, and they couldn't have wrestled me to the ground. I'd have had them hanging on me like hound dogs <laughs> off a grizzly bear, and they couldn't pull me down. Mm-hmm. Not even Gordon Terry, and he was stout. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that's that's what I think a lot of people will say. Well, you've played this psychedelic music. How does that relate to this other kind of music? That would have been one of my questions. Like, how do you? But that makes a lot of sense because. And I didn't want to sound disrespectful. The one thing I, there's two genres I really can't appreciate. And one is polka. The Mm -hmm. other was country. But again, my partner, Del, was playing, working at a previous job. And they were playing music all day long. And all they listened to is country. And before I know, he starts coming home playing country. But what I can appreciate with country, and I know there's a standard joke that my dog left, my dog died, and my wife left me, and I got no money, and <laughs> But you know, there is the occasional artist, and the one that I've started listening to that I really enjoy, and maybe it's his story. I don't know what it is, but Jelly Roll, mm. that guy, he mixes rap and country, which you don't normally hear. I don't so much listen mm-hmm. to that. But when you he's got a song out there right now called need a favor and somebody save me my god the mm. pipes on that guy and the lyrics and you know who taught me to appreciate the lyrics again Dell. Mm. and i never realized that's why i did a video when i started really getting following my spiritual path was the lyrics and i i love the band hailstorm yeah and Um, I am the fire. And when you, I went through those lyrics and channeled some of the stuff from spirit about what she was saying. And it wasn't just about women. It was about, I think, human beings. And when you start Mm -hmm. knowing the story and what's behind the lyrics versus what we just think we're singing mindlessly when we listen to the radio, there is so much heart and soul that goes into each song. People bear their souls with music. Mm -hmm. and and I, you know, Charlie Parker, famous jazz musician. Yeah, I know who he you know, is. My brother he, is a big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you 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 know, he his peers would say, but Charlie, why are you listening to jazz? Why are you listening to this country music? He was a big country music fan. He would say, listen to the words, mm-hmm. listen to the stories. So just to what you're saying is that you have these stories, these heartfelt. Um, and I think that's what appealed to Americans. And, you know, we, it's funny because things get classified, things get labels. Uh, Bill Monroe said, he said, if I hadn't invented bluegrass, I'd have made a great bluesman. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it, we hear, we hear 
sometimes it's often by racial lines but in a in the truth is when you're down on the delta country is blues is blues is country Mm-hmm. And when Elvis sang, it was blues and country and all of it mixed together. And oftentimes is. You'll hear country singers and there's a kind of, we we can't escape it. There's blues in the music. It's like mm-hmm. it's like what's in the water. <laughs> you can't. Uh, jazz though, right? Yeah, like, totally, yeah. Jazz and I could never understand when I was younger why people appreciate jazz. But until you really understand jazz and what's behind it, like you've got to mm-hmm. have lot of soul and rhythm yeah. and cream yeah. you really got to feel the music to be able to play jazz you do i think Absolutely. any but jazz in particular right especially when it's you know just a bunch of people jamming together and they're having a jazz session or even blues like just a jam session right you can really yeah. tell people can feel the music when they're not sitting there reading the sheet music they're just mm-hmm they're meshing together as a group and playing whatever comes up and harmonizing like unless mm-hmm. I, I have played instruments mm-hmm. i i had no idea what a cello was when i was eight and wanted to learn how to play music and i had to stick with it that thing was bigger than i was and and one time i came home and we had a small back porch and it fell down the bottom stairs and smashed oh. a million pieces to this day you ask my mother she thinks i threw it down the stairs i really didn't but i could read music i did take some wow. music lessons yeah. as i shared my brother is a musician so right. and my partner so i really do love and appreciate music so yeah yeah and it's you know you you said that you know jazz it it, it don't mean a thing if it don't have that swing you know sure. so if you can noodle endlessly and if this is true in, in bluegrass as well um it, when you stick to the melody it's like a uh, I'm keeping you engaged in the story and it's an adventure. And this is true with all music and I'm taking on a journey. And ex- you know, I, I do appreciate, I like all kinds of music. I can listen to John Cage and I can listen to like static electricity with a, with a bit of a rhythm sound. And, and yeah. they, they have, it drives, it, those things can drive my wife nuts. Um, I know I, what I like, like I know within a few notes. Sure. For example, the band Muse is very heavy, bass-centered. And years ago, I heard them, and the first two notes, I was like, "Oh my god, I, I, I have to, I have to hear more of this band." And right. then they became more commercial. So I'll know. So say if I heard a bluegrass song, and the first couple of notes it hit me. I would be drawn in. So I can't say even polka, like even though it's a big joke and I found the name for you as we we're talking, I'm going to say it for people. Yeah. Um, shared it with one of my clients recently and she had a good laugh. So the name of it is called, um, it's H E I M Heim at damage. It's, wow. it's, and if you look it up, look up polka, sweet child of mine for anybody listening and she actually does have a good voice. You know what she floored me with? There was a one recently. She can actually play the guitar. I was I was wow. floored. She dresses in the typical Oktoberfest, you know, the tops down here. And we got the cleavage. And I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I'm going to say this. She has a mole right here when she's singing. And it just keeps reminding me of Austin Powers. <laughs> Don't look at the mole. <laughs> but she, she does have a good voice. I will give her that. And the fact that she yeah. can get on the guitar, that that impressed me so even yeah. that 
tolerate now before it's like, what is this? Or your wife probably, same thing you were saying, <laughs> driving your wife nuts. <laughs> yeah, and she's very tolerant. And I do understand. I mean, there are things that, you know, that I do want to be moved, but there are things that can be intellectually interesting. You say, oh, that's, wow, okay, that's what interesting what that's happening there. But I think some of us are tuned into, I mean, I can, we're listening to music and I hear a car horn, me, and I kind of see the connection there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're looking, if you're open, you know, uh, maybe you can find it. And maybe, you know, from that, you can write a song. Uh, I but agree. Even, you know, even in, you know, you listen to, I am a man of constant sorrow. I've seen troubles all my way. There's blues in that. You know, absolutely. I, Did I freeze on you? I was born and raised. Oh, I think I'm back though, right? What's that? Back? I didn't know if it was you or it was back? me. You're back. Hopefully, they'll let us know in the comments. But I was worried because sometimes, cool. if we're going to get snow, sometimes it'll be me. Even though I, I swear <laughs> to everybody, I've upped my internet to the highest degree it can go it's fiber optic and it'll still do it to me there's gonna be bad weather mike froze kevin yeah. uh kevin froze. <laughs> it happened yeah yeah I, it could be my son you know he's in there you know he's 12 you know and gosh knows what he's doing in there but you know i'm sure it's a video game uh watching kitties or something um oh well, so i see it almost 26 year old he wow. has severe autism so he's very much like without any disrespect about a five to seven year old but he gets quite animated and sometimes a little angry when he's playing video games he always says before i go live okay mommy i'm gonna be really quiet when i when you when you're doing your show <laughs> <laughs> yes i i uh i uh, i can imagine for sure and uh you know he does it too uh travis um by the way he's named after merle travis who Ooh. was a a, a, a a born in muhlenberg county kentucky and he plays a style of guitar that i uh that i have emulated and it's a part of what I do. Uh, not only, but uh, I can pick and I can pluck, I can strum and I can rock. I can do it all. I was impressed. Uh, I told you when I went to your Instagram oh, and you have a pinned post, you have a good voice and uh, you. you're playing that. It really reminded me of what my brother plays. That's why I said to you, my brother's a musician. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you we can were hear almost at a time, you know, Mike. We got about another yeah. five minutes to chat. You oh, might awesome. have to, well, you're, I hope you're, I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm hoping you're going to come back with your new book. I but definitely we definitely want to come back. Into the really but, meat potatoes. But you know what? What I do before every show, I always say, okay, Spirit, where are we going with this conversation? Because Spirit <laughs> knows who's going to see it or who's going to watch the replay. And people still, you, I was glad that you read some passages from your book because I, I know people are going to want to know more about this book. So what do you want to throw in the last five minutes? I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> yeah, I know we can, we can, we're, we're, uh, we both are, are talkers. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could read just another little piece. If I could uh, find something, you know, we're not going anywhere yet. Kevin, Kevin says, great show. Thank you, Kevin. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Um, so let me find something that would be, uh, that would. You went up. 
pull them all in. We didn't get to that beautiful cover. We, but oh, you know what? Can I share that? Can I yes, share it? Please do because yeah, let me see. Down. Let me see if I can. Um, here. Yeah, if you um, can, you should be able to share it. Can you um share screen? Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Let me go here. If I need and, to help you. Uh, do, do you see it? Is do you see it now? No. Okay, let me see. You can if send I... it to me on Messenger quickly if you want. Oh, and sure. I'll Hang on, give me one. Sure. Time. No this problem. This is what we do. We'll get Facebook open here. This is what I, I usually do. I think I have it though. I think because I see it now. Um, Actually, I have see. your cover. What am I doing? I have your cover. Hang on. Oh, you do? I oh, have cool. your cover on here. Because I remember I said I had to put the background up. Yes. Yes. Give me one sec. I just got to go to Messenger. It's so then, funny. I didn't even think of that till just oh, now. Oh, here it is. You know, I, I have it right here, and I finally figured it out. Oh, there you did. Hang on. Okay, let's add it to the stage. There so we go. So th this is the new, the new book. book. Yeah. And let me get that. So uh, let me hide it. So that's the new me. book. And this is kind of, the new book is a, it's a bit of, it's a novel, first of mm -hmm. all. Um, it's being, it's published by, uh, it's called Apprentice House Press mm -hmm. and gosh, it's associated with a, with a university. Um, and I'm, it, I'm, I can't Loyola university. That's who it is. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see if, if folks out there into ufo ufology have read Diana Pasulka, she's written some amazing books. She's, I consider a mentor. Uh, to me and you have down below i mentioned jeff kripal so they weighed in but these are narratives so what i've tried to do with these stories they're kind of depictions of growing up in mm -hmm. uh the gritty 70s of new york city and there are the different ways that the uh the phenomenon can penetrate our lives through near-death experiences as oh I my gosh! Psychedelic you have to come on. That's right up yeah. my alley. Well, all this I love doing this show. I love podcasting. I had two days to decide years ago, and I was going to say no because I had no clue what I was doing. And I heard spirit say, "Say yes, we got you," <laughs> and I did. And I I don't know how I did a show Monday through Friday. Like I, I had no idea in a previous network. <laughs> Well, you're amazing at it. You, oh, uh, you, you generating and just kind of making this flow. I love people, and I love knowing your stories. And you know, how did you get to where you're at today? And that's yeah. why, like, I love Gavin. Gavin is a dream. I think I said that in my last message to him. I wish you could train every person that does PR because you never have to ask Gavin for anything. He gives you everything you need, but mm -hmm. I never use his questions and I appreciate it because yeah. I want to see where the conversation goes. And I really do trust what I call spirit, our guides mm -hmm. and those we're mm -hmm. not alone. And sure. where are we going to go with this? Mm -hmm. Instinct and uh, all of that intuition. And he is so lovely. You know, you talk to him and, you know, he, uh, He's just so inspiring to talk to. <laughs> he is, and smart, and knowledgeable, and such mm -hmm. a sweet person. He really, really mm -hmm. is. I was thinking about that. I'm going to have to bug him. I'm already booking, though, pretty well into April of next year already for, like mm. I had said earlier. So 
that's why I usually like to leave some spaces open. And Mike was patient, everybody, because we should have done this in like June or July. <laughs> things, things that you know, things happen. We can do something if you'd like in May, maybe, because um, the book will come out. Uh, for all we know, it will come out in April, and but people can pre-order it, so you can I'll find. I'll send you my booking calendar because that's the one thing I set up. I don't know why cool. I didn't think of that, and it's worked out beautifully and instead of 20 emails back and forth are you available this date no sorry right, that date right. got filled up you pick the date I get it, mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i, I absolutely this was a, a real fun ride to to and i like the fact that you don't want to meet before so we have here we are Ooh, i have no problem like julie <laughs> awesome. i know that's in the audience and yeah. it's just i trust that even if i don't know the person I know who Gavin is and he he's never steered me wrong in the years I've been doing this. I've not had one of his wow. authors on here. I just recently told people I don't meet any of these people. And I said, he he's never steered me wrong. So I just trust mm. and it works out great. Usually always it has. Like I'm not saying I'm so great. I mean, I always feel like I have a really good conversation and I, I mm. really enjoy talking to people like yourself. So thank you for coming on. Well, me too. Your gifts. You know, uh, I'm sure help you to have the vision to see those things and to be insightful. So, um, and thank you for uh, for letting me know that you were hearing, you know, my dad and the conversation. I have never done that. Like, I never push my show on other people to watch, but you can ask. We don't have our usual crew here tonight. So, I'm not mm. sure why there must be something because we usually have a ton of people. So, we all. Mm. Julie, you're so sweet. She said, great show tonight. And Laura Lee is a gift. Thank you. So is Julie. She's helped yes. me out a lot. Um, but like I said, people will watch on the replay. I know they will. They'll yeah. leave comments. They'll have questions. So how can people get a hold of you? And where can they get your books? Because you have other books too. So I would say, uh, so you if you go to MikeFiorito.com, let me just pop it in here. Uh, if I give it to you or I can... Oh, um, no, it's on the banner everywhere. Oh, it's on the, right okay, up in great. the banner, how to get a hold. But just people listening, say we got somebody over in Tibet that wants to buy your book. Yeah. So if you go to MikeFiorito.com, it'll have links to all of the books with little blurb descriptions mm -hmm. and some review stuff. And um, you can get in touch with me. I'm happy to, to talk to anyone that has a question. And uh, the books are, I think they're available everywhere. Um, maybe some, uh, you know, uh, you, you you poke around as far as I know the books are available everywhere. Um, so and I That's if funny. it yeah. Uh, so I really look forward to uh, uh, any comments or thoughts that people have. But Laura, it was so great to meet you. I uh, I know I, I can't. Very I'm going to send you my booking calendar after this. Please. So I want to have you back on. I do want to tell people don't go anywhere. If you're enjoying this conversation, coming up next are Philip and Julia Syracuse, friends of mine as well. They've been on my show before they came to the network, and they have the Horsefly Chronicles coming up next. They have great guests. You guys are going to love it. And I want you guys to stay tuned too, because Thursday 
David and I are back with the thing at the foot of the bed. We'll see where the conversation goes. We researched all week last week and you guys wanted to talk about something completely different. So we'll see where we go because we were thinking about shapeshifters and windigos and all kinds of things like that. And you guys want to talk more spiritual. So we go wherever you guys want to go. So please join us Thursday nights here at uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next week, I'm going to be back same time, same space with the Angel rock 6 to 8 p.m eastern standard time another guest i forgot to check who's coming but they'll be awesome just like mike they're all i like i said gavin looks after us well <laughs> also if you ever want to get a hold of me you can get a hold of me on facebook.com forward slash angel rock uh you want to book a reading i do mentoring i do and teaching i have a course i am working on for those newly connecting and as well maybe if you want to learn new tricks of the trade with uh connecting with spirit and things like that in the new year and the groups I have are Paranormal University, like I said, and the Angel Rock Tribe for more spiritual. Okay, everybody. Thanks again, Mike, so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks, Laura. Have a we'll great see one. You we'll see you on Thursday, everybody. Thanks for everybody being here. We'll talk to you soon. Much love. Bye. Much love.